Welcome to Fast Forward, presented by Commotion, your weekly glimpse into the future of urban mobility. As always, I'm your host, Greg Lindsay, Director of Strategy for Commotion. And as always, I'm joined by Jonah Bliss, VP of Media Marketing for Commotion. Jonah, Commotion LA Live is here. It's the most exciting week of the year, Greg. I think we're, I think we'd be allowed to break into Christmas music, but we're not going to do that to you, listeners. Not just yet. There, we're not going to make our poor editor find some uh, royalty-free Christmas music. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But we are excited here that finally, you know, our largest annual event, virtual this year, of course, but that does not stop it from being the largest with the widest speaker mix possible, making the best use of the fact that anybody is available on any given moment during the during the the the, the year of the Zoom. Um, but yeah, we're going to have a fantastic lineup, which we will walk you through in just a few minutes here, uh, providing some news you can use as we guide you through our highlights of the program. But first, let's cover all the news that is fit to podcast uh, in the world of mobility this week. And the big action up top is more investments going into micromobility. Not too long after it was assumed that, you know, that basically micromobility was going through an extinction event, at least, you know, almost a complete die-off in the early days of the pandemic, we're seeing the big operators continue to double down. So who's up first here, Chota? Yeah, I was going to say, it seems like micromobility is really stacking the dollars this week, but I think they're actually stacking the euros because there's a lot of big European news. Uh, the most recent one being Bolt, who's their they're bread and butter is that are a TNC, more in the, the Uber or Lyft vein, but they announced they're going to invest $118 million or 100 million euros next year to become the largest e scooter firm in Europe, uh, which makes sense, you know, <laughs> if your bread and butter is. Uh, you know, ride sharing, ride hailing. It's been a, a tough business right now. So they're all either pivoting to delivery or micromobility. So smart move. But then, uh, of course, it's right after one of their biggest competitors, Tier, announced that they raised a cool quarter billion dollars. And whose money was that, Greg? That was SoftBank's money, of course, because you know, you know what's cool is a quarter billion dollars. You know what's really cool is a billion dollars, because Reef just raised that from SoftBank again, and their pals at Mubadala, you know, the huge Abu Dhabi sovereign wealth fund. I mean, SoftBank, you know, their their earnings came out, and it's it's just as we suspected. You know, SoftBank, of course, went all in on buying you know stock puts and and investing heavily in, in in the markets this summer to basically cover up some of their losses and some of their big plays, WeWork and the others. Um, but it's been really interesting to see SoftBank, you know, heavily pour money back into Tier, back into Reef, which, you know, as we discussed, you know, raises, is raising money to basically convert those parking lots into forms of real estate. So it's interesting that, you know, that SoftBank has has not been, uh, not been deterred from its uh, Uber misadventures there and is going heavily all in and pursuing the same path it has before, which is to basically invest in everybody and let God sort them out. So when when will SoftBank be deterred from anything? <laughs> not not as long as my yeah. And and you know, Masa would rather take it private than have have him have you tell him what to do uh, or shareholders tell him what to do. So we'll see if you know if if, uh, if they're not careful, he'll just take his money and go home, kind of thing. <laughs> um, but speaking of like huge multi billion dollar investments, we saw another one of the big OEMs come out and say they're going to drop you know not just uh, nine figures into electrification, but ten. And who is that, Jonah? Uh, it's Ford with a cool $11.5 billion and you know, thousands of jobs that come with that as they roll out their electrification strategy. So um, that's hopefully you know, music to President-elect Biden's ears. Obviously, EVs are a big part of his sort of green policies and as are you know, Detroit-based jobs. <laughs> Although I think, I think this one also includes a lot of jobs in Mexico as well. 
That's true. And it's not just folks like, you know, the Mach-E, of course, and all their like high profile, uh, you know, electrification passenger vehicles. Like the big news this week was the, yeah, is, is an electric, you know, Ford Transit van at a price point of around $45,000, which, you know, is another sort of, you know, the working man's version of the Amazon Rivian deal, right? In terms of electric deliveries, because, you know, once once you're able to bring the, the, the total cost of ownership for that kind of vehicle down significantly due to electrification, obviously less parts, less maintenance over its lifetime time, you know, that opens up even more opportunities for doing delivery. So, you know, again, continuing that trend out of the pandemic where, you know, we've, we're driving less and we're doing less ride hailing only to have all of these electric delivery vehicles step into the gap. So, yeah, it's, it's just such a good form factor for electrification too. You got the, you know, the huge, you know, box, just ample places for batteries. You don't have the kind of weight distribution questions you have when you're trying to EVify a passenger car. And fleet management, you know, techniques that allow you to basically do that sort of charging. And and speaking of fleet management, another one of our friends and past partners in LA uh, just raised some money for that for uh, fleet EVs. Who was that one? Smooth transition. That's Envoy Technologies uh, raising a cool $81 million. Um, They've always had a kind of fun twist on car sharing. They view it as mobility as an amenity. So for those not familiar, the idea is that instead of going to Zipcar and just sort of picking a random pod that happens to be near you, Envoy wants to work with, say, your large apartment complex or your office park to make sure that they have a fleet of pretty versatile, you know, wide range of vehicles, in my experience, EVs that you can use to run errands or go to lunch and sort of things where it might encourage you to take transit to the office, knowing that you can then run an errand when you're there anyways. But what's an office anyways? I don't remember. <laughs> That's true, but it's always part of that. It's part of that fun model. I've always enjoyed their their model approach to that one too. The notion that you know mobility just becomes part of your broader lifestyle tie up there, and like you know, there's a handful of other interesting experiments. Like uh, I forget, I think it's Porsche Drive now was originally Porsche Passport. You know, the idea that you know that you just subscribe to the brand and the, your vehicles change. You know, drop the kids off in your Cayenne, and then you get your 911 on the on the weekends kind of thing. I do, I do. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Envoy's not quite the same, but like, yeah, you know, you're, you're if you're renting the kind of apartment where you have a Tesla, they're going to help supply the Tesla and, uh, and vice versa. So it'll be interesting to see uh, if they continue to get traction in that regard, because uh, I think it's an interesting pathway. But, but you know, also speaking of more tie-ups there, uh, you know, uh, and also tying into deliveries, Walmart and Cruise are out there, correct? With uh, their own sort of AV pilots here. We're seeing Neuro out there with others in cash. What's, what's the wrinkle on the Walmart Cruise angle? Yeah. So they've been doing autonomous, you know, sort of point-to-point delivery for, for you know, warehousing logistics for a bit now. But the big announcement this past week is that there'll be AV deliveries to your door. Uh, I don't know. Oh, yeah, okay. I think it's in Scottsdale. Yeah, Arizona, always the, the AV hotbed. But so the idea being you order something from Walmart instead of a pesky human having to schlep it to you, a cute, cuddly robot comes and drops it off at your door. Good way to, you know, good way to just further cut labor costs, right? Yeah, I was going to say, let's focus on the real parts of this deal. <laughs> although, although that is interesting in that regard, because, you know, I mean, particularly coming from a Walmart, I mean, one of the findings of the pandemic, interestingly enough, has been this, you know, huge explosion of interest in curbside pickup. Like, you know, people are dying to get out of their homes. And if that just involves driving to the Walmart parking lot and having someone put the groceries in their trunk, they're willing to do that. So it's sort of interesting to see someone like Walmart that's, that's, that's learned from that, that's seen this huge explosion in e-commerce sales driven by pickup now pushing into delivery. But I guess, you know, if that's what Amazon's doing, you just got to keep fighting fire with fire one way or another. Just follow Jeff's lead. Indeed, indeed. And speaking of Amazon, uh, their old pals, not quite on the, the Amazon front, but Rivian, big week for Rivian, uh, announcing finally that you can, if you've pre-ordered your R1T, R1S, 
they announced both the pricing and that you can finally configure it. So we're actually getting pretty close to having these in consumers' hands next year. So uh, prices now start at about 75K, uh, which is it's a, a pricey truck, even in a, a world full of pricey trucks. Um, but I mean, certainly slick looking, not quite as extreme as a electric Hummer. And uh, yeah, it's, it's electric. What more can we say? It's it's been really fascinating overall. I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, re, I'd love to read an essay on this one too about how you know in in, in the zeal to make electric sexy to consumers and not seen as a uh, soy boy you know environmentalist thing, we've we've seen the rush to basically electrify the biggest pieces of metal you can put on the road in the form of the Hummer and the electric truck. Uh, with Ford, you know, working on an F4 electric F-150 as well. So it'll be very interesting. Well, this this will set us up for p- part of the commotion program here because with a session on hydrogen, I've been idly musing about what, is, what are the brand values? What does my hydrogen vehicle say about me? Someone will have to work on that one as well. Um, but with that, Jonah, should we, should we segue over to the program here? Uh, now that let's Commotion Live is finally it. here, Commotion yeah. LA Live, let's get into it. And, um, and there is my pleasure to report, obviously, you know, our theme for this year, of course, being a new deal for mobility. Um, you know, having, uh, having rolled the dice there on who would win re-election there, we can safely say at this point that, you know, of course, uh, President-elect Biden has, seems to have locked down the Electoral College. And uh, now it's just a, a question of what policies will implement with mobility and how. And that's going to be some of the things that we're going to talk a bit about. And starting with, of course, opening remarks from Los Angeles Mayor Eric Garcetti, who is, in fact, uh, still the uh, the front runner, perhaps, to be his Secretary of Transportation. So perhaps that'll be a moment of kismet. Um, but yeah, that'll be followed yeah. on the program on, on November 17th. So that's, you know, that's kicking off at 9, 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern. We'll hear from Eric Garcetti. Opening remarks, of course, from uh, our founder and chairman, John Rassad, along with uh, the Los Angeles Clean Tech Incubators, Matt Peterson. That'll set us up. And by the way, I'll be your MC throughout the three-day event. So you can look forward to my dulcet tones and my uh, seeing me against a green screen for days and days and days. But how does that set us up, Joda? What, what is our first, uh, our first session here? Let's, let's go through this together. And uh, take turns walking us through. I, I think it's very prescient, and obviously, if the election had gone a different way, we would have had to perhaps <laughs> re- rework the title on this one. Uh, but it's the opening panel is four new years in the U.S. and the world, and it's really meant to you know dig into what those changes we can expect domestically, internationally. You know, as, as the U.S. hopefully reemerges on the world stage. Uh, obviously, you know, optimistic about changes at home, but the fact that, uh, you know, maybe we rejoin the Paris Accords, all sorts of things that, that don't just impact what happens here in the U.S. But uh, so it's a pretty international group. We've got uh, Jordan Davis from Smart Columbus, Hillary Norton, head of the uh, California Transportation Commission, uh, Mayor Peduto from Pittsburgh, uh, Gabriel Gomez-Mont from the uh, Mexico City, you know, uh, what is it? The, the think tank the for, the for the city. Yeah, yeah the laboratory yeah. for the city. Yep. Yeah, no, that'll be that'll be a great session to kick us off and, and get into that. And then and then of course, you know, not just of course where the policy is, but our next session, of course, where the smart money is looking. So, you know, given that our economy is still awash in stimulus and given the fact that, you know, that uh you know venture firms are out there hunting for deals and figuring out a way to basically leverage all of that government investment coming down the pike, our our moderator, Boris von Bormann of Renew Ventures, is gonna sort of lead a, a all-star panel of VCs through that. Um, my favorite, I think, on that group is Chris Thomas, our, our, our friend from Detroit there who was at Fontenelle's famously uh, and is now at Assembly Ventures. And of course, you know, again, cheerleading for Michigan there, a good Ford boy like himself. Uh, so that should be a good session. <laughs> Someone's got to do it. Someone's got to do it. That takes us into uh, our sort of connected session there. And who do we have for that one, Jonah? 
Yeah, so a big part of Commotion, for those that haven't been, is the workshops. You know, it's not just panels and speeches, but workshops are really you know, hands-on, even in this interactive format, chance to meet people, chance to work on something collaboratively, take away some new knowledge. So this first one brought to you by our friends at the UK government is a look at how British firms are mapping out the future of self-driving vehicles. So you get to work with and meet a bunch of really cool little startups from the UK, anything from Zenzik uh, to the Center for Connected Autonomy, um, just you know, meant to actually come away with a hands-on sense of how to deploy autonomy, uh, not just in the UK, but abroad as well. Yeah, and then that'll segue us into our, our, our connected uh, future, which of course, you know, you cannot have a panel in 2020, you can have a conference that doesn't talk about 5G, um, and us included, because of its, you know, game-changing potential when you basically have maximum broadband in your pocket. Um, so we're going to get into that about, of course, you know, data off the, you know, data off the streetscape, uh, basically who's collecting it, where does it go, like thinking through the, like, the next level of, uh, of the smart city there. And so I'm looking forward to that one, uh, moderated by our friend Beth Kegel of uh, HNTB um, yeah, and the chair of Autonomous Florida. So they're thinking that through. I, I have not been following the latest debates there, but it'll be interesting to see if, um, you know, in the ongoing effort to get get as much spectrum into the hands of the telcos as possible for 5G, whether that will inadvertently sabotage uh, some of the bandwidth needed for, uh, for vehicle to uh, interface to vehicle communications and whatnot. But that's exactly the kind of thing we'll be debating there. How do we actually make sure that we can parcel out that spectrum accordingly? And, and then we got another... Just, they can all just pay the piper. <laughs> they can. Well, then we got another workshop, correct? Um, I, well, at least I, I, maybe you're looking at the opposite order. I'm, I'm seeing, uh, the fireside chat oh, next. I guess to start at the too. same time, but, um, this yep. one actually, I think is going to be pretty fun. It's Peter Rawlinson, the CEO and CTO of Lucid, which is, you know, of, of all the Tesla competitors, theirs is one of the most alluring, you know, really, you know, sexy high-end vehicle kind of making their own Model S, so to speak, uh, meant to hit the streets next year, but they've started opening up their showrooms and whatnot. Speaking with Russ Mitchell, the LA Times, you know, kind of head car guy. So I think I think that's going to be honestly a pretty fun, insightful chat about you know the technology behind the Lucid Dream, what it's capable of, you know, how it came to be. So that's that's I'm I'm going to be tuning into that one for sure. Yeah, and then we and then we do have a workshop from our friends at Move It, right? A part of the uh, the Intel Israeli uh, uh, you know AV mobility stack now. <laughs> the, the, yeah, exactly. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, but yes, the Movement's doing a very cool workshop. Uh, I think especially in these COVID times, this one's important. It's about creating a better rider experience and how that can help agencies recover. You know, Movement's all about sort of seamless information at your fingertips, both for the passenger and the agency. So any of our public transit friends, do not miss this one. There you go. And then at 105 Pacific, we have uh, Electric Frenzy, which is our session, particularly on how Southern California, no, you know, no offense to our friends in Southeast Michigan and elsewhere, has really become the epicenter of the nouveau EV companies that are out there, the, the Rivians, the Canoes, the Karmas, the Fiskers, um, all those that are there. And so the, the real question there, of course, is, you know, how does LA uh, double down on this, you know, cluster they've built there and continue to maximize that? And so we'll have an interesting group there, uh, you know, from uh, LA EDC. Stephen Chung was the chief operation officer there. Uh, again, our friend Matt Peterson from Lacey. And that's going to be a really interesting inside look at uh, really what Southern California can do on this. And then I think it's over to your, your baby, Jonah, the, uh, the new mobility challenge. Oh, my baby. <laughs> uh, it's not my baby. It's, it's the world's baby because here's your chance to see the latest and greatest crop of mobility startups. So this is the fourth edition of the LA New Mobility Challenge. So we've split the semifinals pitching into two different sessions. So 205 Pacific on 
day one. That's when the goods movement companies will be pitching. And it's a pretty cool crop, you know, all sorts of kind of different solutions, whether it's you know, point of premises, delivery, vehicles, software. So I don't want to spoil any of the fun, but there's going to be some, some cool companies to look for. Excellent. Well, that takes us to the end of day one. Day two kicks off uh, at bright and early on the West Coast. Uh, at Except, well, don't for, and don't forget the MIT workshop. End of oh, end of right. day I'm one. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to slight the. We're first having week. too much oh, fun. <laughs> late, late for them. They'll be it's it's up all night with MIT. Yeah, you're the MIT Mobility, uh, which is of course you know this huge cross-campus effort bringing in the, the Media Lab, the Sensible City folks, all the various efforts across campus. They're going to be walking through uh, their research and um, and really sort of, you know, uh, giving you an inside look at sort of how MIT is trying to bring their whole mobility thing together. Um, and yeah. I believe we also have a workshop also on sort of the mobility. I love the title. My favorite title, The Mobility Revolution Will Be on Two Wheels, Hint Not E-Scooters, showing the fatigue with scooters and also making me interested in exactly what those what they'll show. Any hints, John? <laughs> Hint. <laughs> All I can say is hints, not e-scooters. Yes. Well, there what you else go. is on two wheels, Greg? I don't know. We'll, we'll tune in to find out. I, I, got some, I got some ideas of past text. Right now, now, that takes <laughs> us to Wednesday. And we'll be kicking off bright and early at 7.30 a.m. on the West Coast. A little bit more relaxed start there. That's our folks at Transloc. This is sort of kicking off a great block that I want to walk through here uh, on Wednesday morning. If the first day is all about bright new visions and new technologies, uh, you know, our second day kicks off with a really strong block on thinking about the equity issues and, of course, the whole social movements uh, that really powered through in 2020, of course, you know, in the wake of the George Floyd killing in particular, and thinking through what does it mean to improve mobility in cities if it's not available for all. So the folks at Transloc, part afford. They've obviously been thinking really long and hard about this, about also including, you know, expanding diversity in their leadership ranks and really listening to the communities they're in. So I believe that's going to be a focus of their kicking off workshop. That's going to take us in at 9 a.m. Pacific into rethinking our urban spaces. So we're going to hear from our, the one and only Salita Reynolds, uh, among other great folks on that one. Uh, Naomi Derner from Nelson Nygaard consulting cities around the country as well. And and Komi, uh, Komi Ajiz from the from SCAG and, and all sorts of other great folks, including yeah, also yeah, the Lieutenant Carlin Governor, Gilchrist, right? Lieutenant Governor of Michigan. Um, you know, all of these great people to talk again about you know the equity issues that are at the core of this, and you know how do we make sure that we don't lose the momentum that happened this year, that we continue designing these streetscapes for people, and that segues into our next session actually, which is on. The 15-minute city. Here we're calling it proximity city, thinking more broadly than just any sort of number or minute here. Um, but, you know, but this is the movement that's taken the world by storm. I was to say, I believe I believe a, a different bliss was just questioning the viability of this model in City Lab <laughs> just this past week. But it raised some really interesting questions. You know, if we try to if we try to take a, a model developed by Central Paris and apply it to other cities, uh, are we just going to like you know basically codify cities for wealthy whiter people? Um, how do we make sure it's built and equitable for all? And Diana Land, who's a, a housing fellow for New Cities, uh, my colleague there, is going to sort of walk through it. And we're going to hear from you know the CEO of Tier, having just raised all that cash about how they're going to invest in this. Uh, and some other great folks as well, including the deputy mayor of Paris. So it'd be curious to see how they're taking that innovation beyond the peripheral highway out into the Banlous and the suburbs beyond. Um, um, from there, very, uh, I was just going to say, yeah, very excited to hear what the deputy mayor has to say. And are you telling me, Greg, that when we apply the uh, the 15 minute city to Detroit, we're not also going to get 30 percent socialized housing stock? <laughs> Yes. Well, there you go. I know it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this plays out in other places. I want to see what a fifteen minute exurban city looks like. You know, given that most Americans prefer to live a fifteen minute drive, so it'll be really interesting, uh, sort of holistic look at this. I think. But then, what do we got from there, Bichota? We've got the road forward. Which what, yeah. what are you looking forward to in that? Another another good panel kicking off at uh, so now that puts us at eleven ten a.m. Pacific. 
the road forward, resilient mobility systems of the future. So this one's you know meant to be one of our little bit more gazing into the crystal ball. Uh, how can you know whether it's micromobility or you know autonomy, all, all the sort of forward-looking mobility solutions? What does it mean? How does it work in a kind of urbanist context? So again, we've got uh, the chief resilience officer from the city of Milan. Uh, we've got Tembishi, the uh, Brazilian micromobility company. Arrival, Skag again. So it's it's going to be some kind of uh, oh, and the could not forget our moderator Arian Marshall from Wired. So it's, I think it's going to be pretty fun. You know, watch everyone gaze into their own crystal balls and come up with the best vision for you to subscribe to. Excellent. And there, where are we? And then where do we go from there? Then uh, I've got some nice midday remarks from our friend Clint Creato at Citibank, mm-hmm. uh, kind of talking about their own vision. But that then punches us right into round two of the LA No Mobility Challenge. So uh, the second one is our people movement category. And again, got five very cool semifinalists. Don't, don't want to tip the hat too much. But uh, all sorts of different solutions for how you can move people more sustainably and effectively in dense urban environments. Uh, and then I believe we're here from Rachel McLean. What's she going to speak about? Yeah, that's uh, – so Rachel McLean is the UK Parliament Undersecretary – uh, state for transport. Mm-hmm. So uh, that might give some hints about what she's going to talk about. <laughs> Very nice. And then from there, we've got a whole session. Uh, I just lost my tab here. Sorry. So many tabs. Spotlight so on many... South Florida. Yes. Our folks from the East Coast, you know, you know, we love Commotion Miami just as much and we can't just banish them for an entire year. So, you know, coming from across the country and on the other side, just to show that we're a bipartisan conference, we've got our folks in the great red state of Florida. <laughs> bipartisan and bicoastal. Yes, exactly. So you'll be hearing from that whole crew. If you attended Commotion Miami uh, live this year, you'll be hearing from some of the same folks there, including Florida State Senator Jeff Brandis, who is the head cheerleader for their efforts in making Florida the autonomous capital of the world. But also folks from uh, including like, you know, Gregory Stewart is the from the Broward Metropolitan Planning Organization. Beth Kegel will be back. Uh, and of course, Wendy Tao is the head of mobility solutions at Siemens there. So some great folks. Uh, you know, basically touting the role of Florida in this mobility revolution. And then you're going to hear from me as as if you haven't heard enough by then. Uh, At 2.05 Pacific, I'm going to be joining Wayne Ting, the CEO of Lime. And uh, and Wayne, if if you've been following him, you know that he's out there front and center talking about how, yeah, Lime nearly died during the pandemic, 95% shutdown in service. Uh, of course, they had to basically do their crucial deal with Uber to acquire Jump and get some emergency funding there. And Wayne's going to talk about how they are anticipating being profitable in 2021 and coming back from the brink. So that should be a, a good, a good uh, narrative experience from Wayne. I'm looking forward to doing that. Um, and then I believe ah, I've got back-to-back duties because I will be here over there for new paradigms for shared mobility. Um, I'm, this is going to be a really interesting cross-border, cross-sectoral discussion here about where we go from here on sharing, which of course has not always been what it's cut out for bees. Many modes that weren't shared, they were supposed to be shared, have not. Uh, and so now we're going to have another discussion here on how do we make mobility as a service and these other models work once and for all. And this is truly probably the most international session we're going to have. Uh, we've got we've got the acting minister for external economic and international relations of Moscow, which has been making some great investments in mobility over the years. Um, also, we've got you know the state secretary of the Ministry of Transport from Norway. Um, so if you think you haven't heard enough electrification, we'll have that. And again, our friend from Miami-Dade, uh, Carlos Cruz, uh, I can never pronounce Carlos's last name correctly, um, but he's going to be joining us in there to talk about Miami's efforts in this as well. So We just um, call him C3. <laughs> I did not know that's what we called him internally. That's great. Um, so there you go. C3 will be joining us. And then we got a couple of workshops to round out the second day, Jonah. 
Yeah, yeah. So the first one, um, this is gonna be a cool one. The American Cities Climate Challenge: How Climate and Equity Goals Are Shaping City Transportation Priorities. Um, this one's brought to you by Nelson Nygaard and the NRDC. So kind of cool team up there. People from both organizations, plus cities like San Antonio, Minneapolis, talking about exactly that: how can cities work together to climate to battle climate change? And that's followed, uh, yeah, same time followed by I guess you know A or B, take your choice. Another workshop, The Politics of Innovation, Accelerating Transportation Tech Through Public-Private Partnerships. And this is a kind of cool gathering of different uh, innovators. This one's brought to you by Urban Movement Labs. So, you know, got our, fun, our friends from UML, Julian Lilly. We've got uh, Raj Amin from Team Ventures. We've got Dave Gallon from Motion Lab. Just talking about exactly that. How can public-private partnerships really on a city and, and more local level work together to speed up urban mobility innovations? Man, I, I'm gonna have I'm gonna have both laptops out from that toggling between earbuds here and try to attend both of those workshops. <laughs> Left brain, right brain. Yeah, so if only I could merge the audio streams. Uh, well, that takes us to the end of day two, and then we're kicking off our final day on November nineteenth on Thursday at, at eight a.m. Pacific, eleven Eastern. Um, and this is a session I'm very excited about. Uh, is the our global South cities the future of transport? I am a, a a student of informal transportation, which is arguably like the biggest mass transit network around the globe. All of these great networks of matatus and jeepneys and paseros and daladalas, depending on what city you're in and what continent you're on, um, that of course carry more people than all the formal transport systems of the world combined. And, you know, to kick that, to moderate that and kick that session off is my friend Benji de la Pena uh, of, uh, of the newsletter Makeshift Mobility and Agile City Partners. He's put together a great session from, from three different continents here, uh, various sectors uh, to talk a bit about, you know, how do we not formalize informal transport in the sense of, you know, make the government run them, but how do we, how do we recognize them? How do we integrate them and scale them up and make them safe for folks? And so that's going to be a great session with longtime New Cities friend Devin DeVries from Where's My Transport uh, and others. So that should be a good set. And then, yeah, and then on, to, you know, carrying it forward, Jonah, we've got building back public transit, of course, one of the great issues going forward post-pandemic. Who's going to speak there? Yeah, uh, we got a lot of fun uh, public transit leaders here. So, of course, good friend Paul Comfort from Trapeze. Got Nierrez from Move It, Ben Platten from TFL, Karen Van Kloysen from Polis, uh, the sort of European trans uh, transit, you know, sort of body, and moderated by Chris Teal of Smart Cities Dive. So, I think this one's going to be a pretty lively conversation. Such an important topic. Obviously, we're seeing some cities kind of bounce back, transit numbers, others still languishing. Um, you know, here in the U.S., we're more in the languishing category. So is there something we can learn from some of our international peers? Uh, heaven forbid we look beyond our borders. Very nice. And then I would say, can you cover the next session as well there? We've got a whole discussion on Latin American cities and active mobility. So going back to the global south. Yeah, the COVID-19 cycling effect. Latin American cities leading the way on active mobility. This was presented by our friends at the Partnership for Healthy Cities, um, I mean, again, there's just so much we can learn from international examples in terms of, you know, how we can shift our transportation systems, our city layouts to, you know, not just respond to the pandemic, but honestly, you know, p- hopefully put ourselves in position to thrive post-pandemic, knock on wood. Um, but this one's going to be a pretty cool international gathering as well. 
there you go. And then back to kick us off into sort of a block looking into, you know, again, sort of the, the Green New Deal aspects of mobility and, and decarbonization. I'm going to be back on stage moderating a session on hydrogen, um, which is very interesting because, you know, hydrogen followed like 15 years ago, you know, hydrogen vehicles and fuel cells were really going to lead the way in uh, moving away from internal combustion engines, but batteries seem to get there first. But we've seen a whole new resurgence of hydrogen fuel cells for things like maritime and aviation and heavy trucking, stuff where the energy density is just higher than batteries is ever going to be. So we're going to have a great discussion there with Arnab Chatterjee from Shell, um, but also Penny Monahan from the California Energy Commission about the infrastructure needed, Craig Scott from Toyota, and, uh, and Paul Aramenko is actually working on a really interesting aviation aspect to that too. So, so it's going to be a really interesting group on like, you know, is this, if, if batteries are the short run uh, and electrification of how we decarbonize our transportation, is hydrogen the long-term play and how do we set it up for that? So that should be a, a very interesting session, I think, for all of us. You know, learn about your, your what's your green hydrogen versus your blue hydrogen. All new terminology to learn there. Uh, but then I believe, I believe, Jordan, we have a couple more interactive discussions and workshops to follow heading into uh, our home stretch. Exactly. So the, the first one up, uh, sharply starting at noon Pacific. So our friends at Lacey, the LA Clean Tech Incubator, the, I think, very timely workshop talking about federal stimulus for zero emissions transportation, all the more... Um, important now with the new administration coming in. Uh, obviously, you know, a, a lot of these zero emission transportation companies and, and models are starting to kind of stand on their own two legs. But uh, if we want to keep growing them, we need to keep uh, you know, leveling the playing field, so to speak. So, you know, Lacey's calling for $150 billion stimulus uh, as part of their you know, TEP plan. And uh, I think this is going to dive into a little bit of what that would look like and what we could uh, hope to get out of something like that. Excellent. And then heading into there at 140 Pacific, that's a discussion on urban air mobility. Uh, as you know, I don't think we covered it in the news this week or last, but you know, interesting pieces that Lilium, the German electric EVTOL startup, uh, has you know partnered with Orlando to start thinking about how it would deploy eventually a network of, uh, of urban air mobility vehicles. But we're going to have a great discussion here with a bunch of other folks, including uh, JetBlue Technology Ventures President Bonnie Simi, who I recently hosted on this discussion, uh, and folks from Hyundai and Whisk Aero and Beta Technology talking through exactly how we might roll out air taxis at last, you know, a dream that Igor Sikorsky himself was talking about back in the 1940s, thinking, I mean, he actually partnered at one point with Greyhound to actually create aerial buses. So <laughs> it's old as new again. It truly, just like autonomous vehicles themselves, it's a very interesting parallel there. So we're going to hear about that, about what's actually needed to make this stuff a reality. And then that sets us up, Jonah, for our, our, our sort of you know closing uh, mega panel here before we get to final remarks. How do we get to a Green New Deal, Jonah? Well, and I just want to say we, we, we skipped over, but we, we you shouldn't skip it over even if we did. There's also at noon one other workshop, the uh, Overcoming the Status Quo, where our friends from Streets for All will talk about how to effectively advocate for you know, open streets, safe streets, you know, any sort of street that's not just a car sewer. But jumping back, 245, exactly, our Green New Deal for Mobility panel. I mean, this one really says it all, right? This kind of ties into the master theme of the event, what we're really looking at over the next uh, four years of changing political winds. So cool lineup here, again, kind of international. I've got uh, Travis Allen from Flow and Ad Energy, uh, Richard Bruce, another friend of ours from TFL in the U.K., Robin Chase, uh, who everyone on this podcast, I'm sure, knows. And then Kate Gordon from uh, California, the uh, Governor's Office of Planning. And uh, let me click over. And, of course, yeah, led by uh, Gregor McDonald, moderator and journalist. So, I mean, this one's just, yeah, what is a green deal for mobility? Like, There's so many competing visions, so many different plans, 
so many different expectations of what the kind of financial commitment, both from the public and private sector, would look like. So I think this is going to be a chance for everyone to kind of hash out their visions. And then last but not least, before our final announcement of the LA New Mobility Challenge winner, which will be there in closing remarks by, by John Rosant and Matt Peterson, we're going to have a, a great conversation there between uh, you know Eric Garcetti, of course, and Karen Pierce, who's the uh, ambassador of the United States of the British government. So discussing climate neutrality and how to collaborate internationally on this. Because, of course, you know, uh, California, having recently announced under Governor Newsom, Governor Gavin Newsom, uh, you know, the, the target of 2035 to basically electrify and stop selling internal combustion uh, engines, of course, mapping up with the European roadmap. So how can the United States uh, at the federal level and at least at the state level learn from the ambitious targets set by European governments and hopefully make them even more ambitious. And Jonah, do we miss anything in there? I would say come to the closing happy hour. I'm sure I'll be hosting that even by Zoom. And, and Jonah and I, of course, will be here throughout to host various networking sessions where all of you listeners can come and not only talk to us, but other folks uh, and commiserate once more with us through our screens. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing you. Yeah, if, yeah, exactly. If you haven't had enough fun staring at your screen, five o'clock, bring a drink and hear more of you know, the two of us riffing and making fun of the uh, <laughs> whatever we just saw on zoom <laughs> <laughs> well yes all right well on that note hopefully we'll not be making fun of us on zoom over the course of three days but i think this is going to be the, the the best programming we've ever lined up here and of course uh the, the sense of both the challenges of the pandemic uh of the economy of you know the last four years but also the opportunities going forward over the next administration and hopefully the some of the stimulus spending and, and ambitious ideas to come um you know give us great opportunities and a bright future ahead. So, so we can't wait to have you all there. Um, Jonah, any, any closing remarks, any final highlights you think people should see? I think there's so much to see. I think there's three days worth of things you should see. <laughs> no, I, well, I mean, just echoing you, this is a, I mean, a tremendous lineup and, and kudos to the programming team for putting this together. You know, I, I, I can't take any credit for it. So congratulations to them. And yeah, I just really hope folks, you know, tune in for as much as you can. It's going to be lively uh, you know, come for what you like, stay for, for, you know, things that intrigue you network, meet new people. Uh, we're really trying to create the commotion experience from the comfort of your browser. Absolutely. I was saying, and to echo Jonah there, a special shout out to Anthea Zhang for taking the lead on our programming for this. And of course the entire commotion team as well. You'll see us all, uh, all this week. Um, all right. On that note, Jonah and I have to get some shut eye here before, uh, before we kick off commotion LA live tomorrow. Um, thank you as always listeners for joining us. We'll be back next week with another episode of the podcast, or maybe not depending on how exhausted we truly are, but we look forward to you to, uh, to joining us, uh, both audially and audio and visual over the next three days. Um, so hopefully we'll see you tomorrow and until then take care. <laughs>